Welcome to Metro 30, the Metro Monthly's weekly conversation with the community. Welcome to Metro 30. I'm your host, Mark Paco. Today we have Cindy Farina in the studio. Cindy is going to talk about her CD collection, which includes original music and a cover of the Sam and Dave classic, Hold On, I'm Coming. Welcome to the show, Cindy. Oh, nice to be here, Mark. Uh, your, your new CD, The Real Deal, was recently released. Tell us about the collection. Where was it recorded and why now? The re- recording was at uh, from Pete Diviere at um, Amperon recorder of studios very nice studio on the west side youngstown uh i've always wanted to do it and i never had the money to do it i had a couple friends get together and they put money together for me to start recording and that's how i did it the songs have gone back from i want to say 76 up to the recent 2019 okay now how long did the sessions take from start to finish Uh, long because I, every song I had different musicians, every song I had had different musicians, so it was it was tough. Now, when you say other musicians, did you have the same core band on the CD, or were there different musicians for different songs? Different musicians for different songs, and they're all local musicians, very good local musicians. Now, are these people members of your band, or people you've worked with in the past, or former band members? Who they are, are the mix? they? Are people that I work with now? which is with Sin City and the Saints, and there is people that I worked with in the past, as like my brother Carl and Mike Rebolt I played with back in the 79. So I tried to get everybody that I, I've been with through my music career to come in and play. Now, were there any guest performers, some, anybody that you maybe wanted to work with that ended up showing up or ask, you, that you asked? You know, these guys, these guys were great. All I did was ask them, and they respected me enough to do it. And uh, I have a list here. Can I say their names? Sure. Okay, we got um, – and I got a m- master mix at Call the Flower Records, okay. which they were very good too. 
I had my brother Carl play drums. Uh, these guys are in Sin City. Uh, Pete um, Danew, it was John Burkhart and Vince Richards, and we our drum, we had lost our drummer, um, Phil Carroll. Okay. And we, I got him to record before he passed away, and that was on the Sam and Dave Hold On. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, who else I got here? Jeff Spencer, Ken Gibson, Don Tanner, Matt Bauer, James Kohler, Jeff Weston, Scott Gearhart, J.R. Richley, Danny Shapiro, Mark Schuring, and I got Patty Hood that lives in uh, Arizona to play bass on one of my songs. So we had to do it through the internet. Uh, Larry Christopher, uh, Joe, which we call him Mouse, and Phil Carroll. Okay, well, that's quite, that's quite a crew of people. Now, I hear a lot of stylistic influences in, in your work. It's from what I heard. You know, it, it's bluesy. There's rock. There's a rock and roll beat to it. Uh, how would you describe your style? Oh, the way I write, actually, um, I, I wouldn't even. It's like back in the Eagle days and stuff like that, but. The way I sing is very bluesy, ballsy. And um, what did you ask? <laughs> well, I, I asked you your stylistic influences because I think – My th- influence, uh, Bonnie Rayett, uh, Joni Mitchell, and James Taylor is the whole reason why I started singing. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Now, I want to go a bit – I want to talk a bit about your musical history though. Was there music in your house growing up? Did your parents play musical instruments, or where did this come from? No, my brother was a drummer, and uh, I got an acoustic guitar when I heard James Taylor. I said, that's what I want to do. I couldn't learn other people's songs, so I bought a little chord book, and I just started writing my own. And uh, frame this now. The, the time, give us the time frame. Is this the early 70s? Yeah, this is like 70, 72 72 on. Okay. 71. Okay. My manager says 71. <laughs> okay. And then uh, what, what triggered your interest in wanting to be a performer? Was, was it James Taylor or was it something you saw earlier or, or was it something else? No, it was James Taylor. I heard that album and I thought, my God, I, that's what I want to do. It's a gift from God. Everything that happened to me is a gift from God. Well, I was going to ask you, though, is like how does – how, how does a nice girl like you end up in rock and roll? I mean, what did your parents think? I'm and... not nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, how does a person like how, – how, how, how do you end up in, in rock and roll? My bro- Like I said, my brother's band let me play in their breaks. And then I got in my first band, which was a country rock band called Jessica. And then I just met people through the years. And every band that I've been in has always been together for six years or more. Uh-huh. Now, how, when did you know that you had a good voice for singing? I didn't realize that until like about 15 years in. You know, I'd hear people say, oh, you, you know, you're really good. And I'm, I'm very humble. Uh-huh. That's all I could say. And I know that, you know, the majority of the, the cuts on the CD, it's original music. Were those all written by you? Were they collaborations? or, or Collaborations. Or? I did... Um, uh, I wrote one with Mark Schuring called The Real Deal. That was with me and Mark Schuring, a very good musician around the area. And I wrote one with Mark Stone. Okay. And then uh, the other piece, were there any, are there any uh, 
compositions that you were the sole author on? Yeah, all of them. Oh, all no, of them. not not all of them. Mark with Mark, we did the real deal. He did the music. Okay. And some uh, some of the lyrics, and uh, Mark Stone did the music, and I did the lyrics. Okay. Now, uh, when you were in the studio doing the CD, was it all laid out, or was was there some improv among the musicians, or was it or was it strictly the way you wanted it to be? No, it, it was improv. I gave them. I gave them what I was, you know, what I liked. I mean, what I, what the song was. I gave it to them to make their own, what they could make out of it, and that's how we did it. Okay. And um, w- as far as the uh, the way you're getting it to people, uh, when exactly did it come out, and how can people find it? It came out in, <clears throat> I want to say, November of 2019, and they could get it from I, – I sing for Sin City and the Saints. They can come to the show and pick it up. They can get a hold of me on Facebook at Sinfarina, F-A-R-I-N-A, or um, it, or get it off of the internet, like Spotify, Pandora, stuff like that. Uh-huh. And you have to pay to get that. <laughs> everything costs, everything costs yeah. money. Well, what's interesting, though, is that, you know, I'm in, in a business where there has been change because of technology, but technology has really affected – the music industry too. I mean, when you started, albums were albums. Was, it, yeah, albums were albums, and there there were eight tracks and, and maybe cassettes. But now we're in this era where everything is is streamed, and uh, there may be an opportunity to reach a wider audience. But that whole infrastructure that used to be there with the record labels and the grooming of artists and the 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 sessions, you know, the people did. Uh, you get a more control on your product, but there's also more responsibility that you have to Absolutely. be your own promoter now. You have to promote it yourself. And it's hard. You know, it's tough when you don't got someone backing you up, when you got to do everything yourself. It's tough. Yeah. And so uh, when people when people see your live show, uh, how much of the, the new CD is incorporated into the show? Well, we do just the one hold on right now, but <clears throat> we're starting to learn a couple of songs that with the band. So we can go, I'm hoping to get like an opening act for, for somebody, you know, their original material. And is there any original material that people re- are responding to? You know, a lot of times people like oldies and they have to, if they have something new introduced to them, they kind of have to hear it many times right are there things that people are hearing that they like that they're responding to absolutely the our, our, the, the cd is getting great response it's getting really good response i'm happy with that but i can only do it so far without having help uh as far as reaching out like how how far have you promoted the the work like where is it being played outside of uh you know, a live performance it's on a couple uh internet radio stations um I got I got an, my own page on Reverb Nation, which will you could hear every song, you could buy every song, whatever you want to buy. I think I uh, last time I heard, I sold 40, 40 songs and I made twenty nine cents. Oh boy! Yeah. Well, see that I mean that's going back to like what people like Barry Gordy experienced in the early sixties, where they didn't. You know, they. I'm in a time warp. That's yeah, a, I mean, they. You know, the the idea of controlling your own music was important because that's the earnings were derived from owning the masters and everything. But we're in this 
kind of this upside down world now where a lot of musicians have to tour to earn a living. This is true. Yeah. But that you usually get that why well, I, I this is what I do for a living. I've been doing it for 45 years. I'm not rich. Uh-huh. But I got to do what I want to do all my life. Uh-huh. Well, let's talk about that too because you know, you referenced the late 70s and let's talk about some of those early bands though. And uh what how your style has evolved since that time or 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 things that you know, or newer influences you've incorporated. Going back to your first band. My first band, that's when I started to learn a lot from everybody. You know, it wasn't just me. It was other people putting in their two cents and everything. And uh, started with country rock. Then I went to rock. I mean, everything, adult news, buns up, was all rock. I was the only singer. I ended up getting nodules. Okay. For being, you know, the only singer. And, uh, and then I got into, I met, Kenny Gibson and we started a band bootleg where there was four part harmony and I wasn't the only singer and I I loved it. Now you can find it on YouTube bootleg. Yeah. And there's one there's one song in particular that the harmonies are beautiful. It has a country sort of feel. Yeah, it's an Eagles too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh but you know your style is is so good during that song and describe what you were at that time. Were you being influenced then by the, by groups like the Eagles? Um, yeah, uh, Kenny and I were, you know, any vocal band, uh, Poco, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, you know, vocals were a big part of what we liked. That's what I liked. That's what he liked. So that's when we got together, let's get songs with a lot of harmony in it, which we do in Sin City and the Saints now. Uh, now, going back to that era, though, uh, I did see one one really early piece. It was something, I think, a concert that was in Mineral Ridge outside. Oh, Jam on the Ridge. Yeah, what, tell With us Fast about, Freddy. Like, what, what, was that a CD 106 event? That was a country, a country uh, get-together, and we played, I think, four of them. That were some wild times, let me tell you. Well, now, how, how have audiences changed, though? Are, 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 are there differences now in how people listen to music when you go out or are they sort of you know in the are they sort of viewing it and listening to it the same way no because back then i it wasn't so much of a dance thing but you know i am older i call myself the grandmother of rock i am older and people that my age that want to go out want to go out and dance the women want to dance they don't want to sit there in the audience and just listen you know groove along the men may want to do that but where the women are, the men will be. Okay. So that's okay. That's how it's it's well, it was like that back then, but right now to make the money, it's it's you know playing dance stuff. Uh huh. Well, you know what? I, I think it's interesting too, though. That I remember years ago, somebody had said that when you go out on the weekend, a Friday night, you know, you're you have all this energy because even though you're tired, because you 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 want to shake off the work week. But Saturday's a little bit different. Uh, do you? I mean, do you play out mostly mostly Fridays and Saturdays? Yes. And uh, when when people go see you, though, uh, are they contemporaries of yours, or what's the age range? We have such a great fall, and we call them the uh, Crooked Halos. No matter where we play, no matter where we're at, they're there, and it, it, they're great. They're like family now. You know, that's how they're, they're just great people. Okay. 
And uh, Sin City, though, uh, you're playing. That's 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 the the most recent band, right? And are any of the members members of previous bands that you were in? Uh, yeah, Pete was in. We started in a three piece with Patty Hood. It was Old Goats Band, so we were just a three piece band. Um, my brother, of course, we were in bands, and then uh, the newest member we have is uh, Chester Stout from the Fabulous Flashbacks. Okay, and no, I've never played with him before. Okay, now uh, as far as educa- musical education goes, are there people that in your band that like went to Dana or or alums of other bands that maybe they went to music school, or or is it all mostly self taught? I think you. I think it's mostly self-taught, except for Vince Richards, our keyboard player. Um, you know, it, it like I said, you know, it's all a God's gift. It's like we were supposed to be together, and this is the way it is, and the way it'll be until something else comes along. Okay. Now, with the CD, you talked about it being very popular, but as far as any any sort of critical feedback that you've had from uh, print or any other online uh media i had it on the uh the guy from the tribune andy gray yeah okay he interviewed me uh he did a really nice job um i have i haven't heard anything negative i don't know if they're afraid to tell me (laughs) but i haven't heard anything negative about the cd at all okay well that's 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 good now uh with the uh the release of the cd what is the primary focus now? Is it just to keep pushing it, or uh, are you going to uh, do maybe go outside of a, a larger radius? To I would love that. I would love to do that. I would like to push the CD more. I'd, I'd like to play more original music. Although I do like I do like doing covers too. You know, there's uh-huh. some that I really enjoy. Like Hold On, I really enjoy doing, but. Maybe get my own band and do that. And if these guys want to come along, then they can come along. Uh, I need well, an agent. I need a manager. Do you know of any? Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I don't. I don't. But, you know, I wanted to ask you, though, too, is it with the the music, you know, if you do covers, you obviously have an emotional connection to the song, but you also might like the way the artist has performed it. Uh, when you take something, do you reinterpret it, or, or do you do a, a, a true reading of? No, of the... I reinterpret it. I, re- I reinterpret all the cover tunes I do. Well, let's talk about some of those. Let's talk about some of the the cover music and why why they resonate with you. Well, I like doing funk. I like doing everything. I like doing uh, slow songs because that'll get to people first before anything else will. Uh-huh. Um. I just do everything my own way, and, and the guys pretty much go along with me. And if they choose a song, then we do pretty much the way they want to do it. But nothing is ever a copy, a, oh. you know, copycat thing. Uh-huh. Now, let's name a few covers. Uh, talk about a few covers, and then let's talk about why you chose them uh, to, to perform. We do a Motown medley, and we chose that because people just love it. It's got My Girl, Get Ready, and uh, the way you do the things you do. Um, I do a couple Bonnie Rea tunes because she is more in like what I do. Uh-huh. But as far as the, some of the male artists go, I mean, you did Sam and Dave, which is Stax, which is, you know, 
it's different than Motown. It's a little bit. It's you know, it's a harder R and B sound. It's a soul. Yeah, it's soul. a it's a it's a soul song. Uh, is it? Do you think that the interpretation is grounded in the past, or is it a contemporary interpretation of the song? Probably contemporary. It's both. I would say it's both. You know what I mean? It's because uh, you know every musician who plays it's going to be what to their liking. Uh-huh. So I'd say it's both. It's a little bit of old and it's a little bit of new. Uh-huh. And is that something that holds true then maybe? Is that a consistent thread that goes through the band itself? Yes. Okay. And then some of the I – know, I know you mentioned you lost your drummer. He, he died bef- during the project. Right before the project. R- right before the project. But you no, were, right after. I'm sorry. Right, right after. Right, right after the project. But you were able to get – how many tracks does he play on? One, and that's on the Hold On. Okay. The cover, cover two. Okay. And was, was he part of other bands that you played in? Yeah, he was with Sin City and the Saints. No, and but, he was with the old Goats band. Oh, the old Goats band. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I, I do remember on social media, I think you were, you were talking about his illness, and it's it's always tough to lose somebody that's in your, your circle, yeah, but also people sure. around you know around your age though too. He was a good drummer. You know, he was a, he was a friend and a good drummer. Okay. Now let's talk about Youngstown audiences, and let's talk about rock and roll in Youngstown, and. What type of audience Youngstown people are? Like, how would you characterize a Youngstown audience? Well, with our crowd, I'd say we're 35 to 70. That's, that's our crowd. Uh-huh. I, I think the, you know, of course, the rock and roll and stuff, the younger, younger kids go for the rock and roll, stuff like that. The, you know, for as small as we are in between Pittsburgh and Cleveland, we have a lot of places. We are booked every weekend. Uh-huh. Well, one thing I'm wondering, though, is like what – as far as maybe not the age span of the audience, but what do people in Youngstown want in music? What, uh, what would characterize – like what do they like and not like? What do you think? Just your, your opinion. I think they like good vocals. Do they like – but they all – so that means that they want to relate to the message. Yeah, I think they just like the, you know, we got four-part harmony, and then it goes to the guitar player, and then it goes to the bass player, then it goes keyboard player and a drummer. You know, it's the, everybody likes it. They pick, they pick whatever they like. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think so. You know, I, I might, I'm going back years ago, but my dad said that when he went to the Palace Theater, that there was a performer that came to Youngstown, and they threw pennies on the stage. And he said that, you know, and I always had this from a very young age, this impression that Youngstown audiences were very tough. Uh, well, that was it, said in New York. No, that was the Palace Theater in Youngstown. No, I know, but they said if you think it's hard here, you know, try Youngstown, Ohio. That's what I heard was in, written on a stage in New York. Um, if they throw pennies, they probably throw quarters at me and knock me out. <laughs> that means they like you. Uh-huh. I think our, I think Youngstown crowd is I think they're good. I love them. You know, uh-huh. they're really good people. The whole the whole area is good. You know, and we just this is a little bit of rock and roll history though, and it's a different type of rock though. But the lead singer of the Cordettes just died on February, early February, and she was she was from Youngstown. She went to Cheney. 
Is that the one you interviewed? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't interview her, but I posted it. Mr. Sandman and Lollipop. I didn't know that. Yeah, big, big pop songs. Of course, you know, it's not rock and roll as people imagine. It's more vocal stuff. And it has its foot, you know, in maybe some pre-rock stuff. But those songs were great, and they the lead, were. And we the, do some of them. We we do we're, do some of the fifties and sixties now in our first set. Second set is dance music, but uh, I enjoy doing them. Like boyfriend's back, uh, be my baby. Uh, you know, it's uh, and of course I do it my own way. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about Youngstown though is that even though it's a smaller place, you could see artists of all different genres coming out of Youngstown. Even today, I mean, if you look at someone like Lawrence Brownlee, who is going to be performing, you know, next month, uh, and Sean Jones. I mean, they're, he's from Warren. And, but then there are people, you know, going back to the early days of rock and roll. There's Steve Vader's. There's, there's so many people from, right. from Youngstown. And it's, it's really interesting, though, the impact that people can have in music being from a smaller metropolitan area like we have. I I agree. I mean there are other people too. I mean there 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 are other people. That- and there's a lot of good musicians in Youngstown. I don't know if it's because we started at such an a, an early age cuz you know our fathers worked in a steel mill. We didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? So uh, People started early and still are doing it to this day. Even though you you don't you you don't, you don't got fame, you don't got fortune. I don't expect fame and fortune from this CD, but hopefully maybe someone will hear a song they would like to do it, and you know I go down to Mexico that way. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's commendable that you know that you wanted to create this you know this this CD in an era where you could have just you know, released MP3 files, you know, and done it that way. I mean, there is something... Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's thank something you. important to taking the effort to make the commitment to create something. And I'm not saying that, you know, that posting something online or releasing something online is 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 not work, but there's there t- it takes a special commitment to do what you did. And, you know, and, and I think people will see that. If so, I had the money, I would have made LPs. You know, but that takes big money. Yeah, and that's and I'm just a Youngstown girl. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's a very small niche that would buy that right buy, buy that. So it could be artistically and it could be fulfilling artistically to do that, but from the standpoint of does it make sense financially to do it? It might not. Right. That's why the, the CD is tangible. You could feel it. You could read it. You could do this, and you can't really do that online. Really can't you know show the cover and that's about it and then it'll list the songs. Yeah, you could, you could do the yeah. songs, but well, I don't. I don't know why they took CD players out of cars. That just dumbfounds me. I don't get it because we're all still alive. Yeah, I I think what we see in technology is they always push you to a platform or a a a product that. You know that either makes more money for them or is cheaper to do. Because if you think about it, look at all these masters for all this music. It's sitting, you know, at Universal or somewhere else. All they have to do is create MP3s and then sell them for a dollar on, you know, right. on iTunes or something like that. Uh, I mean, there's, I'm, you know, we're going to go back to the whole art of you know, there's an there's this effort to create an album. 
that the you know that the albums were beautiful. They were nice to read. Uh, they told the story about the group. You got to see, you know, who wrote the song, right. who was performing on it. And now with an MP3, yeah, it's very, getting smaller. It's well, just and there's very little information right. that that really encapsulates the, the career or the artistic input of the person. But that's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah. Unfortunately. Anyway, Cindy, I want to thank you for appearing. Oh, thanks, Mark. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and good luck with the the CD, and I look forward to uh, hearing more of it. Thank you. Metro 30 is produced in collaboration with the Youngstown Radio Reading Service. Visit metromonthly.net for news, features, and the Valley's most complete calendar of events. And be sure to subscribe to the Metro 30 podcast.